when he fell off out that like building and he like mm-hmm. landed in that Mr. Night suit, hot, hot. Okay. Yeah, that was like, hot. I was like, that looks good. Like, and it, mm-hmm. again, when you look back at the posters or anything that they've released with the show, like that Mr. Night suit looks good. Shout out to Declan Shalvey for designing that because he went off and they did yeah, a really did. good job at adapting it. I did. Now, in this aspect, I also really like the way that they said that the suit was created because, like, that is what Steven was up All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of another relaunch. Um, I am Miles Morales, Spider Man. Oh, that's nice. Miles is nice. I'm going to be White Fox. Ooh, a new girl on the block. Yeah. So you know, I've kind of been getting into her a little bit more. She has a uh, Infinity comic on Marvel Unlimited right now, and. I remembered reading her Death of Doctor Strange tie-in, and I kind of enjoyed that, and so I started reading this, and I enjoyed that. So I think I'm going to do a little deep dive and go back to some of her appearances. I know she appeared in that Agents of Atlas book that has a lot of the Asian superheroes as a team. So, you know, why am I going to all-black team? Can I take it there? Let's take it there. Absolutely, <laughs> let's take it there. <laughs> you like know, Agents of Science. I feel like, you know, they tried with um, Al Ewing, shout out to him, because he love a black person, with his Mighty Avengers run to make them like Black Avengers. But, you know, we still had, like, She-Hulk and all those little people in there, and that was cool or whatever. Then I feel like even, they tried to do it with Black Panther and the crew, but it was like, I didn't want to believe them. Like, it was like, Storm was in it, she was cool. Um, I I guess it technically would be the crew, but I I don't think I'm... I don't know. They give it. They give like. Oh. <laughs> That's no shade to like you know. You know they do. They give the mentor level people, but like they they giving like fifty five, and I don't, I'm not at that right now. It's giving dated. Like <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but then you know it's just like, like what they at? <laughs> and even like when you think of um what's his face is T'Challa's Agents of Wakanda. They had wasp on it. Oh. <laughs> Why every time they gotta like try to legitimize it with a white person on that too? <laughs> Whatever. That was just something Child. that was just on my mind. I was thinking about that. But nonetheless, I'm gonna get into White Fox and go read some Agents of Atlas. Yeah, get into it. Let us know. Let me, you know what? Let me know if I'm gonna like wave. I've been meaning to, to get into her. And I know she's like Ooh, uh she- She's a like, girl, right? She's got a hot design. Yeah, she's got a really hot design, a little crop top thing, and she's got like water swords or something. And I think she's hydrokinetic. Mm, but I don't know where she's man. from. She might be from like Atlantis or something. I don't know. I might want to get into her. I don't know. Marvel Atlantis is not that exciting to me. Oh, maybe they, they need to they need to do like a revamp or something down there. Cause like, what is even Marvel Atlantis? I don't know. I also don't like Namor, though, so that could be a big part of it. And I don't like Namorita. Remember when I went back and read New Warriors? I did not like her. 
Oh yeah, well yeah. <laughs> She's kind of annoying a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I like Namor though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's fine. I like a little attitude. Do? I'm good. I'm great. It's been it's been hot as hell all week. <laughs> it's been like 90 oh. degrees. Like oh. it it changed. It's yeah, yeah. Like something ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it went it went from like 75 randomly to like 90 degrees the last four days. Like 90 to 95. It's been really cold in D.C. and it's been raining a lot, so. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I think I. I think I'd rather. It ain't that bad, outside. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, so. Whatever. Okay. Well. Other than that, yeah, I've been great. <laughs> How about you? How you doing? Um, I'm doing good. I had a nice like week. I was catching up on a lot of shows. Um, did you start watching Young Justice? I haven't caught up yet because I'm doing a rewatch. I've been like oh. rewatching uh, the past season to like mm-hmm. jump back into. It. I started mm-hmm. season three. Okay, I guess that's fine. It's Kyle just <laughs> arc over already. I think so. That was quick, but it oh, was cool. didn't they didn't give him. Oh well, they drop a lot of episodes at once, right? Don't they? So they drop they drop three episodes at once, and so the first three were his, and then the one that just came out this week was, I guess, like the final part of his story. Okay. So it was like, okay. We got it all, but it was just like, oh, okay, it's already over. <laughs> oh no! How'd you feel about it? Was he uh doing the damn thing? I liked it. I think so. I like the new structure of Young Justice and how it's kind of focusing on one of the heroes, but like we're getting a little part sprinkled in. I think the parts that got sprinkled in were his are kind of weird though. Like they've been doing some of Halo's plot, and then I won't tell you the other one because it kind of spoils the story. And like the Halo plot kind of it was like really good what they did with her, but I felt like it should have been in the Artemis section because she lives with her. Um, <laughs> oh, well, we'll get, yeah. She's like under that umbrella. And yeah, and so I feel like there were parts that were ingrained in Calder's story that didn't really help further his story. So it doesn't actually feel like he's in it as much as he should be. But I did like a lot of the stuff they were doing with Atlantis. And then, but then again, that's also my thing, like when they were mixing some of those parts. And I feel like there was some backstory they should have given us on Atlantis and like the unrest. It's always an unrest. They never want Arthur to be king and blah, blah, blah. They mad about something. But like the thing about Young Justice's Atlantis is that it's way more fleshed out than the comics version and they've like added a lot of new stuff and like the way they're uh like different cities they have brand new ones Kyle Durham is like someone completely different so it would be nice to see a little bit more of that and that's what I thought we were going to get but then it's like no we're focused we're still talking about Beast Boy get him out of here oh well he dealing with depression he's still sad even though he been sad all season Okay. Yeah. I'm still like I don't want to see her. I don't like. I don't know. Get her out of here. Yeah. I gotta catch up. I've got. I've got to catch up. I'm still uh, in season three. It's still yeah. really good though. Um, I enjoyed a lot. Like obviously, like the power usually the stuff we did get to see of Atlantis was great. I liked. I liked the direction they took. They are taking Atlantis. Um. And I like some of the family stuff that we get in there too. It's cool. We'll see. There's a lot of potential. Spin off potential, actually. Oh. 
okay. Did they bring that boy in there with him? Or he got a new man? The wind? He's there. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well. <laughs> and then did you, I don't know if you saw, they just announced that. They were fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he really did. Um, no, did you see they announced um, they're going to do an adaptation of his, like, young adult novel? And Charlize Theron is going to be producing it, or executive producing it. Oh, that's dope, a queen. Yeah, it's gonna. I know, right? It's gonna be on HBO Max. I was like, "Come on, get in the show." Okay, wow. Damn, Period. Everything that you get in for counter, I've always wanted for static. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, well. He's got a movie. Michael B. Jordan's working on it, I think. Isn't he? All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into the comics of the week. Um, first up, we have Black Widow, number 15. And this mm-hmm. is uh, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Elena Cross-Gande. And sadly, this is the last issue of the run, um, <clears throat> which is wild, in my opinion, because I've, I mean, every every month I've talked about how much this has been a fantastic series. Uh, the handle that Kelly has on Natasha's voice and yeah. White Widow and all the other characters that are in it and the story that they've been telling has actually been really engaging. Like, um, I was nervous for Homegirl when she was fighting Living Blade. Like, I was like, I don't think she's going to mm-hmm. make it. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I, I am definitely going to be sad to see this one go because I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. No, it, I'm sorry. It won an Eisner. I would never cancel this book. Like, come on. It could be selling. It could be selling like 15 issues a month. Like, I don't care. It's an Eisner winning. <laughs> it's like, staying on. on the shelf. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. I really do think this was probably one of my favorite Black Widow tellings. In a very very long time, I think we've talked about how she gets a she gets a lot of books, and I feel like a lot of times yeah. they kind of just repeat the same thing. Like somebody's after her, or like they don't trust her, or like she's run the run, blah blah she blah. Back to the rare room. <laughs> okay, we went back to the rare room. Um, but I think you know this book did a really good job and like kind of moving her forward from that and like the way that it built up her supporting cast and added some people in it mm-hmm. and really just expanded what she does and how she interacts with people it's just this was good the art like throughout like elena costa grande was amazing um pimentel was amazing yes. uh all torres was amazing <laughs> like no matter who came on the book to draw an issue it was amazing Bakuba i think was did a little bit in here as well it was just like it's an Eisner-winning series. You <laughs> like, I don't know what else there is to say. Fantastic series. I mean, this this issue, pretty much we get the conclusion of the fight between Natasha and uh, the Living Blade. She ends up getting her whole arm chopped off. Um, but then there is a... He's been... <clears throat> I forget the guy's name. What was the the villain that was they were using his blood to create the people with powers? Um, Apogee. They he was he was creating people, giving people superpowers, and there was a person who they called Starfish who could basically regrow limbs, and uh, Natasha was able to get a new arm there. Um, yeah, and then they basically have this whole like fight with uh, the Living Sword. Um, Yelena gets involved, and her and Living Sword are going at it. There's this really cool splash page from Elena Cross Grande with Natasha like. 
doing all those flips that and sword. stuff. Like, <laughs> that sword. It was good. So hot. Yes. Um, and yeah, then they, they save the day, get rid of the living blade, and, um, you know, get a bite to eat at the end. And we are left to see that Natasha's going to go off and, and go in off into the sunset, and we'll see what's next with her. Uh, like I said, I really am going to miss this series. I had a great yeah, a great time. This is probably easily one of my favorite Natasha runs. Yeah, like for sure. I'm going to... It's sad to see it go. I mean, I know Elena Casagrande is supposed to be drawing Steve's book, so if you want to continue to follow her and her art, be sure to check out that Captain America series. Um, I think Kelly Thompson's just doing Captain Marvel right now for the big two, plus her own, create her own stuff on Substack, but I hope to see her name on something again soon. Yeah. A new Kelly... You know, I love her stuff, so like that's my girl. <laughs> I need Let's to see her. She can do whatever she wants. Like whatever she Give wants. Give her what I she wants. It, unless it's Venom. For sure. What would you rate this issue? I'd give it a solid four point five out of five. Yeah. Same. Like really just it like a, it was a great finale. Yeah. Really, really good. Even though it wasn't expected to be a finale, I didn't know there was it. I didn't know that this was going to be the final issue going into it. I didn't see that it was canceled until uh, on Twitter. I mm-hmm. saw that that was this was going to be the last one. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it still felt like a a great like final issue. Yeah. Agreed. Also, she mentions it on the last page that like this was going to be the end for mm-hmm. for that. All right, up next is Wonder Woman Historia number two, and this is written by uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by um, Gene Ha, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, another fantastic, another home run issue. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, the thing about like, I had just been bitching last week about like comics and I was like kind of bored. People doing mm-hmm. a lot of talking mm-hmm. and like no one's doing so much action and stuff. This book has significantly more like talking points than mm-hmm. like full on fights or whatever. But if you're going to do it, you got to give it to me like this. Mm-hmm. Because like mm-hmm. the the way that the dialogue is, is expressed between all these characters, the way that they kind of speak to each other. Uh, the Amazons, Hippolyta, and the way that she's speaking to all of the gods, you, like, feel the weight mm-hmm. of, like, their own mission of trying to, like, make it through the night and rescue all these women. And the it's, it is a shame that the words that are being spoken by this very fictional woman and about the things that they experience can be applied to women today. Yeah. <laughs> and what women have to endure just to kind of make it through the day. And and survive to the next night, it's it's wild. This is a fantastic series. It is. Shout out to the Callies. What a way to start. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they really did that, and I I, I, I love this. This what you do. I love warrior women. So it's like yes. this is right up my yes. alley. And like Gene Hall was like a really great follow up for art for this one and mm-hmm. I think you know he has his own punch that just draws you in I think the like kind of painted style like really helps a little bit with this and just like selling the grandeur of it and just like it feels like you're look you like walking through a coliseum or something you're just seeing the paintings on the wall and it's just like yeah this is great 
It's good stuff. Exactly. And um, Jean's art, like, I am no, like, art aficionado or, like, I don't know, I don't know, like, I'm, like, some, like, connoisseur of art or have taken any art classes or something. But I know mm-hmm. that there is, like, a image of, like, I think it's called a golden circle, but you see this a lot whenever mm-hmm. uh, Hera is on the page. And I think that there's supposed to be this, like, symmetry there with, like, her movements that you follow, which I think is really cool that mm-hmm. he does with with the art. Yeah. It's good. Pick it up. I don't know. I'm a, I don't know what they It's great. <laughs> for DC Comics, but the stuff is hitting. I do have to say, um, they were rescuing these Amazons and they rescued the one a group of Amazons and showed the one woman who had like a burn on her face because some mm-hmm. boy like poured oil on her trying to be funny or something and scarred her face and he didn't even get in trouble. The dad got and the dad yelled at him because like she would be worthless now. Mm-hmm. Um he couldn't sell her for as much. And another Amazon went into the night and found him and did what needed to be done. I say we look the other way. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You know, I know she's probably gonna get in trouble for killing that little boy, but I mean, that's we just will, the way the cookie crumbles. We will that's take that into consideration. How you want to take it. And we will let the delegation know. These black label books are really good. I was about to say, I hope my favorite gets one, but he actually is. So. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Um, up next is Devil's Reign number six. And this is written by Chip, Desar- uh, excuse me, Chip Zdarsky mm-hmm. with art by Mark Giacetto. And this is the final issue of the... Uh, Dar- Devil's Reign it's a mini series, I guess you kind of call it, for Daredevil. And I will say that while I did enjoy the entire series and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the finale, I thought that like the way that it all set up for all of the characters involved to kind of move forward, and especially for Daredevil and Fisk, uh, this felt like it was too small for as big as it was. Like a lot of characters were in it. I love that the Fantastic Four were in it. Obviously Sue um, is my favorite. Mm -hmm. So I love that she was there, but like, and there were a lot of other characters, a different Spider-Man were in it, but like, it didn't feel as big as it was trying to portray it to be. You know what I mean? Like, because it was all happening in just Daredevil and just this, like mini series mm-hmm. and sure there were a couple tie-ins or whatever but it didn't feel like it was as big as it mm-hmm. was trying to portray itself to be mm. I, i've seen it i mean i didn't i tapped out of devil's ring pretty early on i'm obviously going to go back whenever it hits marvel unlimited and give it a read through but i will say i did see a little bit of criticism similar for people saying that it felt rushed or that it didn't really have feel like it had that impact that it should have had and that it probably should have just stayed an arc in daredevil but as an event that you're trying to sell this big thing it probably just didn't click that way right i mean it felt like it was should have been as big as like a civil war but mm. with the way that the themes and everything going on and in it but it wasn't that big that. <laughs> it was just it was just in daredevil i do think it's a great daredevil story i really enjoyed everything there we basically get this um big fight against the um Purple Man, he's using his powers and making everyone kind of fight each other, fight all the heroes. And Daredevil 
and Kingpin have their big matchup. And Elektra shows up because mm. previously she thought that uh, Matt was killed. Everyone on the news heard that uh, people are starting to find out that Kingpin killed uh, Matt Murdock, but honestly actually killed Mike. Um, so mm-hmm. Elektra's there to kill Kingpin. Um, so they get into it, but then Daredevil shows up and they start fighting Elektra and Mary, um, Typhoid Mary. They start fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I do like Typhoon Mary. Daredevil ends up, I won't spoil the way he ends up winning, but I like the way that he ended up doing it um, and kind of turning the odds around there. Um, And they set some things up for Luke Cage. He basically is going to end up becoming mayor um, of Mm -hmm. Hell's Kitchen, which I think is perfect for him. You know, I think a lot of characters in his boat, in his like, you know, era, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out what's them next but i think giving them roles that you can kind of just wheel them out whenever you need to instead of having to force them in like an ongoing thing is a great Mm -hmm. idea so like he may not be able to be luke cage on the streets like he was a long time ago because he's done that but as mayor that'd be a cool like thing to see him kind of pop up in other people's books and what he's doing i think for luke it also just feels really natural in the way that like that seems like the way his character would grow yeah i feel like yeah I feel like there are a lot of characters who kind of made prominence again, and I want to say maybe like the early 2000s or so, Emma being another one, and the way that those characters have been treated from like then till now feels very natural. It's like every writer has kind of come on and just like furthered their story to like put them in these positions of power where they're supposed to be, and they're very lucky. I say in that regard. Yeah. It, it just like works out. And like, again, there's nothing that's ever like too jarring that you say, oh, this doesn't fit. Like Luke Cage being mayor. Yeah, I absolutely see that. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And then uh, we see Fisk is going to be ended up doing something bigger than what he was before, um, or at least he, that plan was offered to him. And mm-hmm. there's a turn of events that happens um, some in a brutal way. <laughs> and um yeah I, I won't spoil the ending for it because i did think that it was a pretty a nice ending and a nice send-off for everyone involved yeah. um so definitely check it out overall i would give this issue like um the art was fantastic Chitato's art is great i would probably give it a a four out of five overall i think the entire series is probably a four out of five for sure it's a great daredevil i think red all six issues together will definitely read better than it did like monthly. But okay. I do think it's a great Daredevil event, which probably means it could have been an arc, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, up next, we have oh, this is a, a brand new thing. This is Captain Marvel Annual number one, and this is uh, written. By uh, Toan Grobeck and art by Carlos Gomez. And this is mm. uh, Captain Marvel's first annual ever. Really? Um, yeah, her books don't last as, as long to kind of get one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but they do so, now. Shout out to Kelly Thompson. I feel like that's... Um, but still, like she still had like a lot of books. I feel like at least even a six issue gets an annual sometimes. No, she's never really had annuals. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, tell us about Cat's annual. 
So this annual is um, a fun adventure that happens with Carol and the Starjammers. She's basically mm-hmm. out, out in space. She's out at this kind of casino playing some games with people, making a bet, and the people kind of go back on the bet. They start a fight with her. She gets arrested and um, thrown into jail. They, like, say that she's arrested on, like, public intoxication and all these other, like, false charges. They send her to this prison. Turns out it was all a plan because um, this young girl um, named Bean, who she premiered in, like, a previous Captain Marvel issue as, like, a young girl as a Cree like, test subject that Carol mm-hmm. had found before. Um, she was with the Starjammers, and she basically sent Carol a message that she was in this jail, she needed help, and she told her that she needed help, and you needed to come inside to, like, sneak in to help me. So Carol yeah. got her. Carol got herself to kind of help girl mm. break out of jail. And it was a okay. nice reunion with the Starjammers. Um, they all kind of, like, Binary. They all kind of reminisce about how they were all together. Uh, Carol used her powers to kind of help people break out. Her and uh, Corsair are really fun together. Uh, she's like, you know, Corsair's like, oh, how are we going to break out of here? Carol just like uses her powers and blasts her way out. And she's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> like, you can do all of that. <laughs> you can do all of that. <laughs> uh, so they have some cool moments. Um, yeah, it was a nice, like, reminder of the the past that Carol had with the Star Jammers, how mm-hmm. they got all back together. Uh, she rescues all of them, and they take Bean back to this, um, kind of release her out and find some these other, like, Cree experiments. Yeah. Also experimented on around the same time as Bean. And uh, Carol kind of rescues them and takes them back to this kind of hospital facility for them to be safe. And, yeah, then she goes a separate way from the Star Jammers. So it was, like, a fun... Mm-hmm. Really, just a fun annual issue of a side mission. Uh, the the care that Carol had for like Bean was really nice to see, and like it was cool to see the character kind of brought back around. She tried to save her, and while she was out in space, Carol rescues her from her ship exploding. But the mm-hmm. girl can't survive in space. But Carol's got power, so she's like, she catches her and tries to like keep her warm with her powers while flying out. She's like really trying to save her. It was really like some thrilling stuff. Um, yeah, really great. Mm. I would honestly give this a four out of five. I thought that the art was fantastic. Um, it was really great to see the Star Gemmer show back up. I thought that Torin had a really great like capture of Carol's voice, which was nice. I don't know if yeah. he's ever written her before, but to come in on the annual and just really knock it out of the park was that was great. Like I said before, Carol is the kind of character that you need to have a supporting cast around her to volley her personality off of others so you can see the differences in them and yeah the star jumpers are great to do that with that's cool it's nice to see torrent getting more work too they did um the mighty valkyries miniseries with oh J- dope yeah with jason aaron um, okay so like i really enjoyed that so it's cool to see them popping up a little bit more dope. yeah i really i really like this issue a lot um okay up next and last but not least is x-men red Oh, do you want to give some Ooh. some honorable mentions first? Um, sure. Yeah, I had I had, I, had before? I had I had a lot of books this week though. Um, Moon Knight number ten came out. Was it ten or eleven? I believe it was ten. Came out this week. You know, also going siding with the show. The book continues to be really good. Um, Strange number two came out. That's a really good showing for Clea and just like kind of getting into her. I think people should really check that out. It's like great. Jen McKay is awesome. 
uh, She-Hulk number three came out. You know, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the She-Hulk fans are mad about that book, though. <laughs> Why? Because Jack, like, Jack is in it. They don't so, want her like, with a man. I don't even think it's that they don't want her with a man, but I think even myself, like, I kind of expected the series to be, like, Jen getting back into her old groove, like, doing some fighting, some superhero stuff, and just, like, kind of going out and about and getting to this mystery of why Jack is back. Really, this entire issue was just them sitting on the couch talking. It's like a romance story. It's them falling in love. And it's like, oh. and it's like while they're falling in love, we're well, also I mean, kind she of, deserves that. Good for her. She does, right? And then also while we're doing that, we're getting like the history of Jack of Hearts. So they're kind of like telling you how he got his powers and how they work and what he does, blah, blah, blah. She like calls Hellcat to talk about him and they mention her and Tony and how they're together and happy. I thought it was a very good issue. Like for me, for me, as a fan of She-Hulk, as a fan of Jack of Hearts, as a fan of Hellcat, as like a fan of Andy and like the history, like I think the book is amazing. I'm having the absolute <laughs> gotcha. time of my life. Like, I yeah. I don't know. Like, again, it's not necessarily what I expected, but what I'm getting, I also think is pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, my tastes are very niche, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and then, we'll get more of that that's becoming an ongoing, right? It's longer than just the five issues. We'll see. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, so, again, I will say, like, if this had just been five issues, like, the pacing of it is very weird. But, like, knowing that it's continuing, it's just like, oh, okay. I'll take it for what it is. Um, okay. And then the final, another book I had this week that I thought was like fine was that Earth Prime Batwoman thing. The girl from the CW show was like making her comic appearance, and I just like, oh, I actually okay. hear good, good things about the show. So the comic itself was fine. I think if you like her, you should pick it up. It was this her debut into the? I was gonna say main universe, but never mind. It's DC. It yeah. that don't matter. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm. Up next is, and our last book of the week is X Men Red number one, and this is written by Al Ewing with art by Stephen Caselli, and um, you know, again, I am not afraid to eat my words mm-hmm. and talk about how literally just last week, if y'all were listening. I was bitching about being a little bored in my Marvel books mm-hmm. um, because people was just doing a lot of talking and no one was really doing anything or like mm-hmm. people's plots weren't moving forward. But this is how you shake it up and this is how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, w- I knew that this book was going to be good. Um, mm-hmm. I've, always exp- I've always been into most of Ewing's work. Um, so I knew this book was going to be good and Caselli's art is great. Um, but it was just still nice to like read an X-Men book and be wowed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and to and to and to see all of the characters just like really well written and I mean it opens, <laughs> opens, this opens with Storm was <laughs> opens with Storm fighting herself. <laughs> uh, you are so funny. I don't think people realize how funny <laughs> you actually are. But I just think that it's hilarious. <laughs> That's just what I'm saying, you know. Mm-hmm. I I love this book. I did. I this was a really good book. I mean, but it's you know, it's an Al Ewing comic. There's no way I was ever going to say anything bad about it, even if I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what you want to say, but it's like I also would never have to worry about that. But like, no, this yeah. was this was um. This was amazing. I loved everything about it. I loved all the character interactions. I loved the little callbacks. You um just 
like you said, characters knowing each other. When like Sunspot called Magneto headmaster, like and we told the grandma. Because, because you know, I talk a lot about them a long time, and I think sometimes I get it. The dynamic could be a little stale, but the New Mutants are my team. I'm sorry, mm. like those are my kids. Like those you are my them, yeah. Like those are my people. That's a squad so, though. That is a squad <laughs> like, though. Those, those, those are my people. And it's, and it's like I like seeing those reminders of like obviously their childhood and like what they did together, but more so in reference to like how far they've come. Like mm-hmm. that was really cool to see, like with Bobby and Stunts. I mean, Bobby and Magneto, and it was just like, yeah, this was a really nice moment. The Fisher King moment with Magneto was really nice. Um Storm, the whole bar scene with Thunderbird being mad at Vulcan after he was fighting Sunspot, and then Brandon Cable come in and drag him and kick him out from Morocco, and like the Iraqi on the side. You told him you had a plane to catch. Drag. (laughs) I know that shut him up quick. In every direction. It was just like, you know, and then then again, like getting more of the Iraqi culture in the book and like just seeing how they interact and like knowing that the Fisher King is there and he's this human guy, but they like respect him because of the things he's adapted from their culture and like what it represents and like how he's telling Magneto that like talking about your pain is a weakness. And it was just like. But he's not a human though, right? He's like, he's Iraqi. He just don't have no powers. Yeah. He doesn't have any powers. Might as well be a human. (laughs) <laughs> See, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also really enjoyed Vulcan in this. Like, Vulcan's mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, characters, and I sometimes people can really just think of him as being like uh, bipolar crazy, and that's just he's just always going to go off at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, which always is a weird way of looking at bipolar disorder, but also a simple way of looking at him as a character. But the thing that I picked up on this, which I liked that Ewing was displaying, was Vulcan has an issue of being forgotten because mm-hmm. the way that he enters this enters the scene, he's like cussing the Shi'ar man out. And he's like, what do you mean you don't remember me? And the Shi'ar is telling him like, oh, we're like not allowed to access certain parts of like our history. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. who you are. And he's mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? Like, I was the emperor. Like, I... The reason you guys are thriving right now is because I was the one who did it. Like <laughs> y'all were terrible before. I did come in and I took over with an iron fist. Yes, but everybody was thriving and it wasn't. Yeah. It was a prospering empire. How could you forget me? And then mm-hmm. for him to be confronted by uh, John Proudstar Thunderbird, like, oh, you know, what are you doing over here? They get into this fight, and he's like, oh, look, there's another person who. You're one of those people who forgot me on that island. Hey, again, I do appreciate that continuity call out. But mm-hmm. like, I like that there was this thing of Vulcan really not feeling like he was is being forgotten. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool like deeper layer to him than just being an Omega level mutant, you know? Mm-hmm. And an antagonist. Oh, <laughs> look at you! Come on, Vulcan yeah. fan, you better give us a little breakdown of the character. You know, you know, what my I'm talking about. It was a thriving a little bit. <laughs> they are. They're having you know. a good time. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this issue. I loved everything about it. I'm ready for more. Regis Storm, that's my girl. The doll. Yeah. Love her. Um, like I've I've always said before, I've had I had my I had my things to say about Storm <laughs> before. <laughs> but Regis Regis Storm is the doll. Um, and she's gonna do what needs to be done. She's gotta get rid of Bran. There's only room for one green bitch. <laughs> There's only room for one. <laughs> well, 
She got to go. Any any guesses on who you think is going to join uh, the Brotherhood? Thunderbird is going to come back on it for sure. Um, I think so. Yeah. It was, it was like, you know, he just protected Sunspot. Sunspot's like, I'm grateful you're here. Even now he's saying, like, how he wants to come back to, he needs to find a way to come back to Arako so he can, like, make even with Cable, who's more than likely on Brand's X-Men team, but probably playing double agent for Storm. Mm. I think mm. I'm actually more so excited to see who Brand picks for her X-Men. Mm. Because like, who I don't know. I might be looking at them a little funny. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and I like Brand. And I say this is like a Brand fan, but it's like, mm, why are you working with her? <laughs> What's going on? Because she's probably gonna try to sell it like it's like, oh, it's the X Men of Mars. Mm. We'll see. Having um, to pick up on it. I bet some new X Men might join. Some old school heads might be like, oh, this could be fun to be an X-Men for a bit on Mars. Mm. Make it just get messy. It's gonna get messy. It's gonna be good. Honestly, like Storm and Brand is probably gonna like go down in history as one of my favorite X dynamics. I like even the scene of them just walking and she was telling and talking about like, you know, y'all calling not as Mars and Storm was like, hold on now. And they're like mm. just back and forth because like and I think that's something that the character of Storm needs. Like Storm is this character, she is very big and she's very boastful and she has a big presence and like not too many people are able to stand up to that or and they're like where they usually just kind of like get over it very quickly and fall in love with her storm needs somebody who's like not scared of her yes and brand is very much like oh i'm not scared of you <laughs> right it was like and it looks like in the next issue vulcan is gonna fight her because he's like i got as much power as you do yeah and it's just like she needs someone who is able to like stand up and like call her out on her stuff and like not really back down and then but at the same time she respects her you know what i'm saying it's like no she's mm. like i know who you are. like i respect everything but it's just like you're still not going to do this better than me which is great new callisto Callisto could never. I mean, new feud with Callisto. Like, you know, is this oh. her new? Um, is this Storm's? Is this Storm's new Callisto? Like, yeah, I guess so. Actually, ooh, mm-hmm. yeah, because her and Callisto cool now. Wow. Right, right. <laughs> Everybody cool now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I just went back and looked because I had to like double check with the Fisher King. He said that he was born in the prisons. Right. So he's Iraqi. But like, I think he's like a human who was born in the prisons. That doesn't make sense. How did, <laughs> how did he even get there? And that's what we need to find out. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, when Magneto's like, you're human, he says, of course not. Humans are from Earth. I was born in the prisons. Yeah, he was probably a prisoner on Iraqi. I mean, on Araco. He human. They were, they were bad Iraqi mutants. He just don't have no powers. He a human. His or, life. you know what? That's probably why they had him as a prisoner. Because, because he didn't have any powers. His, his daddy was probably a human. How did he get to? How did he get to Rocco? 
know. That's what we're going to find out. Why they <laughs> in Morocco and why they were in the prison and had this baby. Because aren't, aren't, Iraqi, aren't the whole thing about the Iraqi is that they're supposed to like not. Oh, but maybe that's also why he looks like a human. Yeah. Like that's why they had him in jail because he doesn't that's have any power. Like he's not, he's not a warrior like them. But he like, still fought. To survive. Oh, wait, he grew up tortured by the vile. Not the daughter took the bribes. <laughs> oh, yeah his, yeah, his daughter, like, switched sides and left. <laughs> Give that Iska. Let's see. <laughs> oh, Iska. We'll see. Um, I, I would rate this issue also a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Same here. I would definitely give it a 4.5 out of 5. I, fantastic. Magic. I don't know. I don't know. It is. I don't know what else. Y'all got to y'all gotta pick this up. I hope that this series continues to to go and continues to thrive. I can't wait to see what they do more with, like, Storm mm. reaching on Mars and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be great. I wonder if they're going to have crossovers with the other X-Books. Oh, gosh. Do we have another event like that anytime? No, soon? I don't think we need to do that. They are they're gonna get a um what's it called? A judgment day tie in. But we're gonna talk about that on the next panel, so Okay, we'll wait for that. But you don't think the next like the other three, X Men, X Men Red and Immortal X Men might do some like Oh, just those three kind of thing? Yeah, we can yeah. do that. That's cool. I thought you meant with like other books, like X Force or no. no, no, no. I mean like the X the core X Men books. <laughs> I know that's not a shady, but <laughs> you know what? Let's just go ahead and take a break. <laughs> we'll come right back. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the panel section of the show. So um, this was my week to decide the panel. And I don't know if you saw, but earlier in the week, they were releasing some, like, advanced solicitations for books that are coming up. And one of them was, well, two of them actually did come out. One was for X-Men Red and one was for Immortal X-Men. The one in Immortal X-Men was about Exodus and how he is, like, about to do something big, you know, and they're talking about how the Eternals are there, and he's about to remind them who he is and let them know what's going on. And then the other one for X-Men Red, it spoke about Arako and their great ring council they have and how uh, Eternal is possibly coming to destroy it and kill everybody. Mm. And so... If anyone is like following me on Twitter or anything like that, you know when I have discussed Arako and Regent Storm and things of that nature, I talk about how I often feel like it's going to be destroyed in some form or fashion. Yes. And it's like not necessarily because I hate it, because I think Arako is really exciting and everything that comes along with it is really interesting. But I just feel like in a lot of nations or even big things that happen with characters and getting into these high positions of power, they'll go through trial by fires. And it's like, what better to give Regent Storm her trial by fire than kind of like kill off the people. Losing it. And, you know, <laughs> and like having to like build that back up. But again, also even so with the Great Ring, that's another big trial by fire that she might have to experience because that's something that she is still in charge of. And with that, it just had me thinking about those type of stories in general and how people feel about them. I know two that are very... 
I guess, divisive, you could say, for a lot of people are specifically the new X-Men and the Avengers Arena era, where they took in New X-Men, all of those kids died on the bus, and then they were fighting the purifiers and had all of that stuff going on. And then in Avengers Arena, they had a lot of the youth heroes get kidnapped by Arcade, and he was having them like kind of go through their own battle world, murder world, kill each other, and stuff like that. And when it comes to trial by fires, I think they are very interesting. <laughs> and I think there's sometimes <laughs> necessity, but I wanted to talk to you and like, you know, all of those who are listening, please be sure to give us your comments and let us know on the Twitter, or like in comment section and all that, how you feel about it. But do you think trial by fires are something that are good and necessary? Or do you think they can be a little bit excessive and overdone? You know, I feel like they are both necessary um, mm-hmm. and can be a little overdone. I know that's a kind of a cop-out answer, but <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> okay. Hear me out. So um, when you have a big lived-in universe like the the Marvel universe, there are a lot of characters and uh, there are a lot of personalities and stuff, but you want to give people things, some kind of conflict for them to kind of go through. Um, otherwise... Why are people interested in this character other than the way that they look or just like, I don't know, something superficial with the powers? You want to have some kind of conflict for them. And seeing someone persevere through something is just a great thing to see. (laughs) So why not put them through something like that? I think everyone can kind of relate to going through something and going through some kind of challenge and making it out. Obviously, we don't want you on a murder island having to kill each other like in Avengers Arena, which um, is based off of this movie called Battle Royale, which is a mm-hmm. really good movie. It's uh, this Japanese movie. And I guess my uh, thing with that, with like, and sorry to cut you off, but it's like, you know, you always want to see your heroes persevere and do something and be something big. But it's like, when they're in those situations of like, again, the Avengers Arena, where they're on this battle world and they are kind of forced to attack each other and kill each other do you think those are the ones that are i guess unnecessary or do you feel like things like that are okay no. because that's the reality. <laughs> <laughs> is that oh. like the reality? you know and I, I think again i remember when avengers arena was coming out it was like people were going crazy but it's also kind of that thing where you think about is if you have these comic books that are supposed to be set in these quote-unquote real worlds like that is probably the reality of being a teen hero Mm -hmm. they i'll never forget during the incredibles the movie from pixar you know those um classic (laughs) and the mom was talking to violet and dash and she was like you know you think about those saturday morning cartoons you see with the bad guys and all that stuff and they're like really excited she's like these people are not that. She's like, they will kill you if they get the chance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do not give them the chance. And it's like, so when you have these teen heroes, that is the, what they're facing. And so it's always interesting to see how people either kind of don't want them to go through that reality, which I get it. The comic books are a bit of escapism at times. And then you never also want to see it like a character who you're coming to attach yourself die in like a really horrific way, especially when they only have like five panels to their name. But... right. It's like, it almost feels like what you have to go through a little bit in time. Like you said, this is a very big universe. You're going to start to have a lot of characters in it. And it's like for these heroes, like a big part of that is going to be loss. And a big part of that is going to be like, how big is the loss? But does it just become too much? 
Um, I think um, the, the follow-up to my other side of saying that I think it's a little bit of both is when it becomes too much is when it's repetitive. So an example of that would be one consistent theme that happens a lot in the Green Lantern stories is someone is always destroying the damn central power battery and then there's no core and then the core got to get restarted and then we, and then we do it all over again. And um, it's always like, oh, all of the members are dying and there's only a few mm-hmm. left, and then we reignited and started all over again. Or yeah. same, that was kind of a, a same kind of repetitive thing that was happening a lot with the X-Men. It was like yeah. a cycle of highs and lows. Um, I think that's when it is a repetitive kind of thing, where it's like, all right, how many times are we going to put them through the same thing? Yeah. Uh, after a while, mm-hmm. the trauma isn't really as do you anymore. Do you think a lot of the characters who have gone through those big ones, I think of someone like... I, I don't know if I necessarily want to use... I'll use the new X-Men, since they also want it. Do you think those characters tend to come off better? No. Or do you still... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, some of them, I think some of them did because they were able to age up, but I think yeah. overall, some of them, a lot of them end up being defined by that. So now they're always stuck mm-hmm. in that's where, and also where the trial fight can can be a little bit of a double-edged sword, where it's necessary for the character, but then is that all they're ever going to talk about every time you bring them up, or are you able to mm-hmm. kind of move them forward? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they end up defined by that trauma. That's actually a really good point. Oh, look at you waking it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite one? I know John's gone through a couple. John has gone through a couple, but that's just because, like I said, the Green Lanterns have, like, he in right now. <laughs> I, think, I think right now the Green Lantern Corps, like, the central power battery has, like, just been destroyed, and he's got to, like, restart the core. They always do that to him. So, um, although I have, I'm not reading this, his series right now, I might check it out because he got a new costume, and it's probably, it's hot. It's probably the my favorite costume. Very hot. I saw it. So, it looks good. I might have to go check that I out. And, like they got me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna check that out and see what kind of see how he's operating in his trial by fire thing. Again, I do like when my favorites have been in that kind of situation because most of the time I do get to see them kind of strive through the other side. They don't end up becoming like, you know, mm. that like mm. where they're always talking about being a survivor of, of something, but they mm. are able to kind of persevere through whatever that kind of trauma is. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as favorite ones go, um, I mean, technically, I did like. I know you said the John one, but like they were kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even lie. War of the Green Lanterns is probably one of my favorite ones. It's when um, all the Green Lantern rings like stop working and then they being controlled by Parallax. I low key kind of do. I don't mind a mind control story. Oh, so, uh, right. no, that like. That might be controversial considering Lorna has been <laughs> mind controlled a lot, but sometimes those are where you can kind of get some fun things that you can get with the characters where they're able to kind of fight each other and kind of come to some realizations and stuff. So um, I don't mind that. Uh, I don't mind that for the hero versus hero versus, you know, them fighting over some random ideology. Mm. Um, <clears throat> um, so I did like those for John. 
the new X-Men one. Uh, no, I'm not going to put that on my list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you hate them. Avengers, I don't hate them. I only like a few. <laughs> Avengers Arena, for sure. Um, that that one was, was good. Great. You know, I'm, honestly, can we, do we count the big ones with DC? Like, how many crises have they had? Like, do those count as, you know, the... I don't really know if I, like, count a crisis a trial, by trial by fire, just because I feel like and like they're all going through that at one point in time. I would consider a trial by fire like probably something like the Titans go through a lot more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your poor Titans. The poor Titans. <laughs> they go through a lot of those. I think um I think Super mm, Superman's kind of going through one right now. Yeah, the world world one for sure. Yeah. The world world and what's going on, that's always hot stuff. Um I do like the new X-Men, so I was like a really big fan of that. It, it's also really interesting when you kind of see those, though. Obviously, you see a lot of fan reaction, but I know the creators of Academy X, uh, Nunjio De Phillips and Christina Weir, they've like commented on a lot of that stuff, and they were talking about how it was like really hard for them to read, and I felt so bad. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're like, oh, they were like, here are all these characters we created, and like I think one of them was like based off of a friend they had lost, and he was one of the characters who died in New X Men. Yeah. And it was like, it was like bad. I was like, damn. I was like, I'm it sorry. It was so bad. <laughs> damn. I, um, I think I had read that they said that they didn't know that they were going to kill the, all the characters off. So they were told that like something might happen to a few of them. Um, but they had like asked them, like, is it going to be this character? Is it going to be this one? And they were like, no, most of them will be fine. Nothing big is going to happen. So they were like, they bought the first few issues and then like, the bus got we put him on the bus. Wallfire, Wallfire got so shot nasty. in the back of the head. Quill got shot in the face. Like it was bad. That is so nasty. Yeah. Damn. But do you feel like sometimes these kind of things happen because they do need to reduce numbers? Oh, for sure. I think not out of any kind of malicious intent or anything like that. Where it's just more of a business choice of. We have entirely too many characters here, so we need to slim this down. I think specifically for the X-Men, that's, like, probably the brand that gets a lot of, the, obviously, the trial by fires. But, like, that was because of what they were. They were always supposed to be this small community of people that was hated and feared. And then they started becoming a nation and, like, people. And it was kind of like, okay, well, this is getting away from the core of what this story is. So you got to have a Genosha and destroy three million mutants. You got to have the purifiers blowing up a bus full of kids, even though the, you got to have a depowering from Wanda. Trying to reduce it and it was like it just doesn't work because again while the story of the x-men was being hated and feared it was because they were growing and they were becoming mm. born, and like mutants were becoming born and so it was like the only real thing you can do is make them a nation they can still be hated and feared but it's like not mm. a place to be you know and it's like you don't know it's hot that's a great idea <laughs> but an awakening. It so was it's a new setting i don't think it's going anywhere I don't think so either. I know there's some rumors going around the internet about like people coming to like reset stuff for the MCU, blah 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 blah. No. You I was well, I was about to say you don't cancel the thing that's successful, but they did just cancel Black Widow, so I don't know. See. <laughs> but no, Anything, I don't think they're gonna put a, they're gonna put a school on that island and call it a day. And that's it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm. But, you know, I think that's just something that's always kind of exciting to get through. I, again, I think 
also created, I mean, not Krakoa, Arako was the great pivot, so you don't have to give Krakoa its trial by fire. You can now destroy something that has tons of mutants on it and, like, have a big repercussion, and, like, you still keep your island nation fine. How do you feel about the trial by fire, like choices that they always have to make? Usually there's like a character or someone has to make some big choice. For example, in Avengers Arena, it was like X-23. I think it was X-23 and Hazmat where they were having something mm-hmm. going on. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it was uh, X. I don't want to call her X-23. Wolverine. <laughs> and, um, and Nico, like when mm-hmm. she chopped that girl's arm off. Mm, um, you know, there's all there, there's always some kind of like big pivotal moment. Or for example, with Green Lantern and John in mm-hmm. War of the Green Lanterns, it's when he killed Mogo because Mogo was the one that was creating new lantern rings, and mm-hmm. those are going out and recruiting people to be basically bad. He had to put a stop mm-hmm. to it, and he ended up killing Mogo. How do you feel about those kind of big pivotal? Oh, I love them. But most of my favorite yeah. characters are killers in some form or fashion. I'm sorry. Um, so <laughs> I think that I think that it's really interesting because when they make those big pivotal decisions, they really emphasize how like it kind of sticks with them. And I think it's similar to what you said, a character can be defined by trauma, but this is not mm. necessarily like a definition in that it's always bringing them sad or it's making them mad. It actually is showing that growth and development of their character. Betsy is a prime example of that. You know, she did the whole like superhero thing and then got transformed by the hand. And then she had this like her entire era started to just become like, I had all of this intention to do this big thing and be Captain Britain. I failed. I started hanging out with these guys. I liked it because they were saving people, but it also kind of made me question like heroics in a completely different way. She had to change. She had to grow. She became a ninja. She started becoming a killer. She got addicted to killing. And then you have to see her kind of like come back from that and grow back to like in the Captain Britain hero thing. And it's like, oh, wow, none of that would have happened if she hadn't been going through these trials and like making those hard decisions this journey mm-hmm. would not have felt as fulfilling or just like monumental if she was just like not doing it yeah and always being the better person gene that's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean look at the new x-men right like they went through all the stuff with the bus and i the it has defined a lot of them, but I do think that like kind of really brought a lot of them closer. I mean, now obviously most of them are back alive or whatever, so mm-hmm. yeah, everybody's Gucci. But... but I do agree. There are some characters where that can like kind of drag them down, especially like depending on what they're doing. And um, like you said, they just get stuck. I remember I again, John's a good example. I remember you said like you felt like a lot of his stories were just him being sad about that one thing that happened like so long ago. Child, they, and, they, they throw it in his face all the time. They always yeah. bring up that he killed that planet. It's like, get over it. It was like, in like our time comes because it was like 80 years ago. Like, who cares anymore? You know? And, Let it go. Um, and it's like, at that point, yes, that's when that becomes a deterrent. And it's like, maybe he just shouldn't have made that decision at all if this is what we're <laughs> Yeah, I do. I hope that I book is good. Like, I'm gonna give it a chance. I mean, I I do have DC Infinite. Um, I think if y'all don't have that, definitely get it. I think it's it's worth mm-hmm. the purchase. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely gonna check it out there. I need to see that new costume. It looks good. I saw and some, he's not weird. a he's not a lantern, but somehow he is. I think he's connected to Will still, so he has his own powers. If anyone remembers, 
I did a relaunch for him, and this is all I've ever wanted <laughs> was <laughs> him to get a new costume, have the Green Lantern powers, but without being a Green Lantern and just be a superhero. So like, yeah, it sounds like this is up my alley. So I'm have, gonna have to see. Mm-hmm. It might yes, be a situation it. where I might just be there for him, even, but everything else might not be that great. Your Excalibur yeah. era. <laughs> it, it's like that sometimes. It is. And you just got to deal with it, and it's fine. Yeah. We love to see. Yeah. But that was Trial by Fire, you guys. Like I said, please like, comment, let us know what you think, let us know what you feel about them, what was your favorite, how you felt about Avengers Arena if you were reading comics at the time, because if you remember, that was like, all right. <laughs> The internet was a blaze. They were, they were, they were arguing. <laughs> <laughs> Over some kids they just met. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. None of my faves died, so. I didn't even I know any of those kids. And, they were all brand And then new. they introduced, a lot of them were new, and then they introduced the Braddock Academy kids, which was they like, did. oh, they why did. wouldn't I like this? <laughs> they, they slaughtered them kids really early. <laughs> but the one girl who was like plotting against everybody, and she turned out to be like the big villain because she was like also turned mixed with her brother, she was hot. Yeah. That was, I thought that series was fun. It was cool. You guys go read it and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll come right back. Let's do it. All right, everybody, welcome back to another watch. And this week we are discussing Moon Knight episode two. And this was quite a different episode than episode one. Yes, it was. But But I think I still enjoyed it. I got some thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I got some thoughts too. But um, basically in this episode, we kind of just see Steven with V going on his path to try and figure out what's going on and everything like that with the quote-unquote, I guess you could call them dreams he's been having or things he's been seeing. Um, He goes back to his job and they find out that he is the one who vandalized the bathroom because he was fighting the jackal. However, when they look at the camera footage, there is no jackal. It's just him running around looking crazy. So he gets fired. um, And he eventually does, in fact, come into contact with Mark and Khonshu and everything that's going on there, which I thought was, like, really well done. Like, this is where I feel like the show shines and the way Isaac yes. is portraying the two personalities. Like, he's acting the house He down. is acting. He is acting. <laughs> like, acting the house down. And it's not even just in the way he says things are like the obvious accent that we keep getting for some reason. It's just like the man, <laughs> the way he gives the guys, like how he'll stay in when he's Mark versus how he kind of slouches when he's Steven and things of that nature. And it's just really good. And I also really do enjoy Conchu in the show. I think he is hilarious. And yeah, I like Conchu's great. he says, I do feel like, I guess the, I think he, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I got something to say. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what? I'm just go ahead. I'm just go ahead and say it. <laughs> okay. I think that like all the budget went to Oscar Isaac because the CGI wasn't looking too too right in some parts. Giving Gumby. They definitely like stretched the budget of the CGI a little bit more than they but probably. At the, I mean, at the, at the same time, I will say Oscar Isaac is also acting down. So it's like, which one did We're you up want? And down. Yeah, you know. Point. <laughs> and it's like I also try to look at it. I don't know. I don't know. Like Marvel CGI has always just kind of been like, 
a mixed bag anyway. So it's just I don't know. I don't think I really expected it to. Oh, no. he, he, put, he, he, he put he pulled the moon boomerangs on his chest, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, we'll see. I think a lot of it, and, and it's kind of like sad because while I do think Kanshu looks good, I feel like there's an element of I don't know, just fear that I don't get from him mm-hmm. from the design. I, I don't know. I guess I wish he looked a little bit more imposing. And like scary like i think yeah. about him in the comic books and it's like oh yeah this is like a creepy guy i don't know maybe they need to drape his scenes in a little bit more shadow or something like that um but we'll see we, we stretched the limits a little bit but we did also get the debut of our mr night suit in this episode which yes. let me say this oh. when <laughs> when he fell off out that like building and he like mm. landed in that Mr. Night suit. Hot. Hot. Okay. Yeah, that was like hot. I was like, that looks good. Like, and it, mm-hmm. again, when you look back at the posters or anything that they've released with the show, like that Mr. Night suit looks good. Shout out to Declan Shalvey for designing that because he went off and they did yeah, a really did. good job at adapting it. I did. Now, in this aspect, I also really like the way that they said that the suit was created because, like, that is what Steven was imagining when they were like, put on the suit, put on the suit, put on the suit. And so it's like, that's, that's his version. And I thought that was really cool. And I like that even when he kind of did give Mark control, it switched over to the more super heroic one. I'm interested in that aspect. I know a lot of people, I saw some backlash because of, like, when Steven was fighting, he was, like, making some jokes. And he was like, oh, like a butterfly sting, like a bee, I'm Steven with the V. Um... I thought I thought that was cute. I thought it was cute and corny, and I feel like if this is the type of person that Steven is, that's what he'd say. But mm-hmm. I'm also interested in that aspect of like seeing how the two now that this wall between them has been broken, and that they can kind of like interact a little bit more. How much of their like personalities rub off on each other a little bit, and just the abilities and skills that they have. Because obviously, like we saw Steven do that punch, and he was enhanced by Conchu, but it was like, oh, that was a pretty nice punch. But it's like, is that something that like you get from Mark? Do you are you leaning into that a little bit? Because again, I do want to see that suit some more. Yeah, this is hot. And I want to see them like some full action. I will say that I do think some of the comedy is fine. However, I did not need him to fall over after he made the landing when he made his Mr. Knight, like landing from falling from that building. And mm-hmm. like the minute it looked, as soon as he landed, it looked really cool. Then mm-hmm. it got cut by him falling over and like making a joke or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> damn, I really, really wish they like really kept up this like, really cool transition Moment. that they just kind of nailed here. You know, again, like, I think the comedy and, like, the DC, I mean, excuse me, excuse me not the DCU, the um, MCU and, like, D-plus shows are something that's really interesting to see because I think that was a big thing with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, too. I felt like they it was undercut a lot of times by the humor that they would randomly inject into these moments that was supposed to feel a little more serious or, like, impactful in that nature. This is another example of that. Again, even... It could take away from one of the reasons why I don't really see Conchu as scary because when Steven was first coming into contact with him in that um, storage locker area and he pops up on it and then we do the like freeze frame of his scared face and then he's like, I laughed. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you laugh because that's something that you normally see in comedy. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, <laughs> this is funny. And it's like, you get it from the sense because it's like, oh, yes, like if I saw something like that, I too would be terrified and probably run. But again, it just kind of like takes away from like, Oh, I'm no longer scared. I'm yeah. relating and laughing. 
So I was scared when he was running through it, but once they did that freeze frame, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, he's not going to hurt him. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Where before, it was like, oh, hold on, who's this guy with his skull? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm also still really enjoying the villain of our story and kind of like how they're going. I like the aspect of how he could kind of hear, quote unquote, what Kanshu was saying to Steven and he knew it and just like the way that they seem to be going. I don't like the wife. And is he is he a new character, right? This yeah. this villain. Glass feet. Yeah. <laughs> they just made him for they made they made him up for this, right? Um yeah, Harold. He's like a he's like a mix. I remember when um he was first cast, a lot of people in the set photos were dropping. They were kind of trying to figure out who he was gonna be, but like it's like a mix of a bunch of different folks. He's now cool. um the wife does not exist, Layla. She's not real, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on because I hope she doesn't turn out to be Marlene, because she's not Marlene. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, maybe she was just again just another character made up for the show, giving Mark some, or at least the MCU version of him, all new characters. Yeah. Also, um, so with. With Moon Knight having diff other previous avatars, is that something that happens in the comics? Has he ever ran into other previous avatars of Khonshu? Like, so, after Warren Ellis did his uh, six issues of Moon Knight, they gave the book to different creators. After that, they gave them their own six issues. So I think uh, Jeff Lemire did six. Cullen Bunn did six. And mm-hmm. I want to say during that time he like first really came into contact with somebody else like calling out for Khonshu. And then obviously in Jed McKay's book right now, he's met Hunter's Moon, who is a disciple of Khonshu, but he doesn't really like coming. We know that they exist, but he doesn't interact with them very much or what they Hmm. do. Okay, so this is kind of a newer concept then for the MCU that there were other, other Moon Knights, I guess, or other avatars of Khonshu? (laughs) Or previous ones, I should say? Eh, yes and no. More so like, and I guess how how he's like interacting with him. Like he did, mm. it wasn't something that he came into very frequently. You know, and again, like Harrow. While there is a Doctor Harrow in the comics, um, he's not the same as this Doctor Harrow that we're getting. And that one, he's just like a genius guy who works in a lab or something like that. This one is obviously like a mix with the Egyptian mythology and stuff like that. So. Hmm. It's there, but not a lot. Okay, so it seems like they really are trying some fresh things or newer things or yeah. doing some different stuff with this show. Um, yeah. I'm still intrigued. I would like a little bit more. Um, I like. I would like a little bit more action, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. And I do appreciate that they are really getting to the point. <laughs> they yeah. uh, they are not cutting corners. Um, as far as like the the story stuff, they really are getting straight to the point. And which is, I mean, we only got six episodes. And you know, I was talking to a friend about that actually. I was like, while I think there are some things that are really good about the shows, I was like, I feel like six is still kind of a small number. I think I would have preferred mm-hmm. eight episodes for a lot of these shows to just maybe give like one or two more times to like flesh it out or just get a little bit more. I think the action is going to really come next episode. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, to really see that moving, because while he's done a little bit, we haven't really like seen him fight, fight. So it's like, but now that Mark's here, we'll get a lot more Mark, and probably that's what Mark's gonna do. 
Right. I mean, this isn't my first rodeo with the Disney Plus shows. I know that, you know, episodes four, five, and six are where it's at. So <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> we know. <laughs> you know, it's also interesting because I've been seeing a lot of talk about how these shows aren't really giving us like the characters. It's showing us more so like how they come into the characters. And that's one thing I will say I'm at least grateful for for Moon Knight is that we didn't have to wait till the last episode to see him become Moon Knight. No. He already got his Mr. Knight suit. Like, praise. Because that was yeah. one thing. I needed, like, at least, again, and I think of something that's, like, with Sam. I would have loved, like, two more episodes of Sam in that suit. Yeah, that would have been nice. Um, well, he get in the movie, so. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. You'll get, you'll get more. <laughs> Um, but overall, still very much enjoying the show also. I Isaac, I think, really is the selling point. We'll see how the CGI goes. But I that's, think, where the, that's where the budget went. Is either but, do you want Oscar Isaac or do you want a nice-looking suit and, and CGI? Pick one. You can't have both. It looks great in pictures, though. <laughs> it's fantastic. Pictures. Okay. Mean. I, 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 I kind of want one of those like Mr. Knight posters, like as a poster. The one of him putting the glove on is hot. Oh my gosh! And the, like it's the um it's the photo for the title card when you pick it. I literally was just staring at it the first day. I was like, wow, this just looks good. I think guys when he was uh, at the end of this episode drinking and he walked outside. Mm-hmm. And I, I, mm-hmm. it was really Actually, I think I might do this. That's that's, that's a short king. Ooh, this gonna be so many Mr. Knights for Halloween. Oh yeah, for sure. I believe. I saw that. I saw that he just debuted at um, Disney World, which I think is such a a cool thing that I live in a world now where like Moon Knight is. <laughs> oh my is, like, god! Like a thing. That's when a Jack of Hearts has his moment. <laughs> uh, <I will laughs> okay, you know what? You said it, so like it's probably gonna Jack happen. Jack of Hearts coming. I also gotta pay for it somehow. I, I know, right? We'll find we'll find a good sacrifice. Um, <laughs> I do also think that this is the year of Bedlam, so keep your eyes peeled mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what would you rate this episode? I give it a three. Me too. Yeah, I acting down. I'm enjoying where the story is going. Um, that's the CGI, you know. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like took us down a little bit. Which I'm also not. I'm not English. I'm not from England. Um, <laughs> UK Twitter hates this show. Can I say? I that? was gonna ask. <laughs> I was gonna ask because every other word that uh, I, I says is like bruv or innit. <laughs> oh, there are so many people from the UK who I've seen. They're like, oh, this show is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it does look like that accent. Again, I was kind of hoping that the accent was going to be something that, like, he was just doing, and yeah. yeah, and then he'll kind of, like, get out of it, but it looks like, no, he's really going to go with, like, Stephen is British. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's a funny guy. You gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Please rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You could email us anything you've got going on at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lights. There's an underscore at the end. All right. Boom. Let's get up out of here and we'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace out.